Over the 20th century, more women gained education, economic autonomy, greater mobility, and wider social networks. Many expanded their horizons, chose their own husbands, and kept their fertility under control. Yet, a woman may still be abused at home, harassed on city streets, and unfairly treated at work. If victims cannot secure accountability, abuse persists with impunity. Women's autonomy can also be circumscribed by legislation, forbidding abortion or stipulating obedience to male guardians. Men's control of property, custody and women's bodies is thus legally entrenched. Facades of reform may be enacted by states keen to improve their international reputations, but left unenforced. And without family-friendly policies or cooperative partners, women remain saddled with childcare, depressing their earnings. Seldom seeing egalitarian alternatives or successful resistance, women may internalise their subordination and reluctantly comply with a seemingly unchangeable status quo. So what I'd like to do briefly here is discuss how gender ideologies reinforce gender inequalities. And there are a couple of mechanisms which I'd like to distinguish, because I think that's important. So one, if men monopolise prestigious positions, others may regard them as natural leaders. Women may doubt their capabilities, be reluctant to put themselves forward, or vote for other women. These entrenched gender stereotypes curb deviation and contestation, and they are notoriously difficult to dislodge, for people pay more attention to information that confirms their priors. Lacking exposure to more egalitarian alternatives People may not question ideals of female submission and sacrifice. Those living in remote rural communities, growing up in violent homes, without access to critical discourses, may regard wife beatings as normal. Women then try to endure what they perceive as inevitable. In Bemba, a Bantu language I speak, this is called ukushipikisha. Likewise, living domestic workers in Latin America, associating only with their patronus, accustomed to servitude and daily reminders of their inferiority, may come to regard themselves as worthless. That said, many men and women are privately critical of gender inequalities, but comply because they anticipate social condemnation. Now here... What is really important is what I call norm perceptions. That is, our beliefs about how we will be perceived and treated by others in our community. And it's by interacting and observing their communities that people gauge which behaviours are broadly practised and supported. Seeing widespread compliance, people infer widespread approval. The norm perception that peers, community elders or government will chastise deviation furnishes individuals with a a self-interested reason to conform. Let me give you an example. If men think they will be mocked for sharing care work, they may be reluctant to do so publicly. 
And that invisibility, that invisibility of men publicly looking after the kids reinforces norm perceptions that men do not change nappies or sweep the floors. Likewise, if women anticipate discrimination, they may not put themselves forward as leaders. So it's not because they don't believe in themselves. They just don't think anyone else will. Some women submit just to avoid being reprimanded, reproached, or beaten to a pulp. Added to that, many lack the economic autonomy to antagonize their social networks. So this widespread compliance actually creates a negative feedback loop because it perpetuates pluralistic ignorance. For potential allies remain invisible. So, women keep their heads down, take care of the kids, and endure patriarchal dominance. These non-perceptions can also depress use of government services, accountability mechanisms, and bottom-up pressure for reform. In parts of Latin America, domestic workers presume that government will not tackle labour violations, so they don't report. Without seeing successful mobilisation, workers may be fatalistic, pessimistic about reform reluctant to join a union or initiate labour claims. Likewise, if, if women think that the police will be unsympathetic, they may not bother to report gender-based violence, as I found in Zambia and others recorded in Bangladesh, Bolivia and Pakistan. So women can get stuck in a despondency trap, moderate their ambitions and reluctantly perpetuate the status quo. So we know from social psychology that individuals with group efficacy beliefs strongly predict their collective action. So if people believe resistance is futile, then they regard it as costly and fruitless, right? But if everyone complies, then pluralistic ignorance persists, and so does the patriarchy. So this despondency trap can compound a negative feedback loop. People only revise these norm perceptions when they witness widespread behavioural change, or if they hear of it from trusted sources. But if gender ideologies only change after, after behavioural disruption, then you've got to wonder, what catalyzes the, the initial behavioural change amid the risks of social censure? That is, how do societies overcome the chicken and egg problem? That everyone complies because they think everyone else complies. So you have pluralistic ignorance and everyone complies, right? Now here, feminist activism is absolutely fundamental to breaking the cycle. By speaking out, challenging patriarchal practices, collectively making a din and thereby demonstrating broad support for social change, feminist activism can galvanise hope for reform. That is, build people's sense of collective efficacy, secure incremental advances, so as to catalyse further resistance, and ultimately secure women's equal rights, freedoms and protections. So, let me summarise that. What I'm saying is that gender inequalities can persist alongside economic development, and that's partly because they're taken for granted. And, and, and these gender ideologies operate in two ways, yes? One is that people internalise them and think they're real, and two is that 
people may be privately critical, but doubt wider support. And that despondency trap is self-perpetuating can only be broken by feminist activism. I'm Dr. Alice Evans, and this is Rocking Our Prize. Thank you very much.